Business podcast. I am your host, Eric Compton, aka Miss Town Business. And as always, I got my co-host, my battle buddy, my brother from another mother, the one and only Mr. Brian Bearfield, aka Big Sarge. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Hey man, glad and just another day, another dollar. We out here on the airwaves trying to get it how we live, man. Got another uh, uh action-packed show lined up for everyone. But first and foremost, I know uh this week has been uh uh a, you know a, a high and low week, man, and uh First and foremost, I definitely, I, I didn't realize this, but um, you and I, significant others' birthdays separate each other from a day, man. So it was my beautiful fiance, Monique's birthday on Monday. So definitely want to send her a special shout out and just want to let her know that she is my world and I love everything that she does for me and I love everything she does for this relationship. And then second of all, uh, Tuesday was uh, <clears throat> your your late great wife, Miss Jamila. Um, her birthday would have been this past Tuesday as well. So um I wore blue for you, you know, in in uh in, in honor of Miss Mila uh, for colon cancer awareness as well yesterday um, on Tuesday. But you know, we definitely want to spend send you prayers as well because you know, um, you know, we we never we never you know take anything for granted and we never want to sit there and leave anything on the table. I know, BB, <laughs> you know, you're my big brother and I definitely like you're just a great role model. So everything that you do. You know, sometimes I'm like, dang, you you know, you love her and I, you know, you love her and she's not physically here with us. But yet it feels like I got to step my game up with my beautiful uh, fiance that's here, here, here with me on earth. So um, just want to let you know that we thinking about you. We love you. And it's me. Love, it's definitely super duper proud of you, bro. <clears throat> hey, appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, most definitely. Thanks for uh, good looking out on wearing that, uh, on that blue on yesterday for Cold Cancer Awareness, man. I definitely Oh man, all the time, man, all the time. But uh, before we, you know, you know, nonetheless, you know, we definitely got to get into it. So today is Wednesday, January the twenty third. So we've definitely had time to kind of digress off of the uh, conference championship games that took place this past Sunday, man. And uh, uh, I think a lot of us uh, have a, a bad taste. Lips. It depends on who you are. Some of it is has left a bad taste in some people's mouths, and. You know, uh, others may be a little happy on how the outcome may have come. Um, I think uh, if you live in the city of St. Louis and New Orleans, you might be a little salty today still, even after the football game. So, BB, man, um, what was your take when, because I, you know, I've heard a lot of what you did on your radio show, but what was your take on the whole non-call with uh, Roby Coleman uh, just whacking old buddy off the, off the field um, on that late, on that late touch or late drive down in the uh, fourth quarter? I think it was one of the most egregious calls I've ever, non-calls I've ever seen since watching the, the sport of football. It did not make any sense that you have two, two NFL referees right there and neither one of them I, I don't understand how come, I don't understand how they did not see that that player, that that play right in front of them. And, and, and one referee even went to throw the flag and the other one basically told him to hold on keep the flag in your pocket mm-hmm. so I mean there was multiple fouls on that play I just don't see you call I, I feel like you call the, the penalty 
and then you sort it out. Then you figure it out if you got it right or you got it wrong. Absolutely, bro. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I you said that's probably one of the most egregious calls. I know there's been a lot of highly controversial calls, but um, just overall this weekend in this whole, man, I just don't, I just don't see how they can't sit here and, you know, I, I don't know how you fix this, BD. Like, uh, this is practically two years in a row that New Orleans has been um, somewhat cheated out of the system. Well, not, <clears throat> not really cheated out of the system. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not cheated out of the system, but because, you know, last year, the fluke play, the Minnesota Miracle with uh, uh, Stephon Diggs, sat and caught that fluke touchdown pass, and then next, this year, um, they get this egregious call. But on the caveat, man, there's two... There's two things that took place before that that before that play on Roby Coleman. Um, there was a, a, a in the first quarter on the first drive where that tight end missed a, a wide open touchdown pass where one of the defenders was able to draw the ball loose. That was that to me should have been a very catchable ball that could have sat there and changed the pace of the game. Also, I believe right before the uh, first half ended, um, Michael Thomas uh, there was a miscue on the touchdown pass as well where they were marching down the field. So that's two touchdowns that came off the board that any other drive they should have been able to operate. And also, you know, not saying they're going to give, you know, the, the the Rams the benefit of the doubt, but, you know, Drew Brees did not play his best game. And also Sean Payton started calling the game a little bit more conservatively on the second half of the ball, man, on the second, the second half of the game. So it was definitely interesting to see why, you know, I would definitely want to see why he didn't just put the pedal to the metal and just keep it going, man. Yeah, it didn't, make any, uh, it didn't make any sense to me. I've never seen a uh, Sean Payton-led team come up that short and have so many plays that was left on the field. I've never seen that. That, that, that totally uh, baffled me because I'm saying to myself, you are the, uh, the orchestrator of everything that is um, everything that is fast-paced when it comes to high scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, on the offensive side of the ball in the NFL game. And so I, I could not believe that they left so many points on the field. But you exactly. know, my, my, my other thing was this too. It's, well, I look at it like they still, I feel like they still had a chance to win and they don't get cheated out of that call. But I mean, I, like I said, it, it, it is what it is, man. It's, I guess they say it's no crime. No crying over spilled milk, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> that kind of leads me back into, uh, uh, you know, I kind of sat there said St. Louis, man. If you were living in St. Louis, I think you might be more saltier than the folks in New Orleans, bro. Like, this team has only been in L.A. for, I believe, three years now. And the first year, they had the horrible uh, fiasco with Jeff Fisher as a coach. And then here comes Sean McVay, the young hot stud that comes in and takes him to the playoffs last year for the first time. And then... Literally the very next year, they go all in with picking up cats like uh, Akeem Tlaib, Brandon Cooks, then Dominica Sue, um, Marcus Peters, all these big, uh, Robert Woods is another guy that they were able to pick up, and they went literally all in this year. And Stan Kroenke is out here just going all in out for India, putting all the chips on the table. Next thing you know, they're going to the Super Bowl. And three years ago, here was a team that was just doodle on a stick, man. What is it, second highest payroll? Something like that. Like they literally went all in, and I mean, I know the folks in St. Louis got to be feeling some type of way right now, bro. Uh, uh, they, they got to, man. But so, Cronky is—he's married to a Walton, correct? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the checkbook is always open if you're gonna bring them. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna bring them a championship like this, the checkbook is gonna always be open. I just look at it as. So for me, 
the Rams, even when I was out in LA for the for the Cowboys game, man, it just like it just seems like they weren't the the fans seem weird to me. For sure, for sure. You're out, yeah. You're out. back. They don't like the fans. Even the people I talked to, like I didn't realize there was so many Raider fans in LA. Well, yeah, I mean, and not to mention, I think you, I think you and I separated from when we went to LA, like within, a, you know, I think a three-week time frame. Because I went to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, LA Rams game <clears throat> that Sunday night in mid-December, and it was literally BB. I, I know the Cowboys have a huge fan base, but like when I say literally, the fans was probably fifty-five percent to forty-five percent Rams, the Eagles uh, fan base. It was almost a 50-50 house. Like where Nick, where I sat at at the game in the end zone, all the way to my left where the Eagles bench was, you could, I mean, it was practically nothing but Eagles fans, bro. Like, it was literally a 50-50 split. So, um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this, these tickets add up, um, how this, how the sales are going to go. Because, like you said, LA is a really weird swanky town where, you know, I would think by, by now, they, since they have started winning, that they would have built up their fan base. But even when I spoke to the locals out there, it's like, yeah, um, you know, we're happy that the Rams are winning, but it's a Raider town, bro. Like, it's a diehard Raider. Like, there's a lot of Raider nations out there. So, um, you know, I know the Chargers tickets, they, they didn't do well where it, they was practically playing every game, uh, 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 an away game for them because more teams, um, more teams' fan base would be showing up to them games as opposed to the Chargers on fans. So um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see uh, what the Super Bowl is looking like. Um, <clears throat> with that being said, man, uh, uh, moving on, and I'm going to try to tie in two questions and try to kill two birds with one stone with uh, the Patriots-Chiefs uh, game, man. Uh Man, I, I don't. I'm. That, I'm not gonna lie, BB. I think this is like one of the first times in a few years where I'm just not really amped up about the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's because just the way the two teams won, or it just left a bad taste in my mouth. Two, I'm just dog tired of seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And three, I just feel like, and, and you kind of went over it today about the um, whole overtime rule. But I think the refs again in that game as well got a lot of calls. The refs messed a lot of calls from the Julian Edelman fumble. Um, to a couple of rough and passer passes on Patrick Mahomes that wasn't called that Tom Brady miraculously got. Um, it's, you know, it was just very. I just thought that call, I think that game was more inconsistently called than the uh, Saints Rams games, man. <clears throat> I, the, the one thing from that from that Patriots Chiefs game that really bothered me was that rough and passer. Mm-hmm. When you have referees whose only job is to watch one area, there's no possible way that that was rough and the passer. Tom Brady, the guy barely even got his arms across. Exactly. If anything, if, if, if anything, Tom Brady probably closed his eyes. That mm-hmm. was about the roughest thing he had to go through was throw the pass with his eyes closed. But to make such a, a terrible call at that time in this big, at this magnitude of a game, it, it, it was absolutely man. And you know the whole, um, I, I, it left a bad taste in my mouth because I just feel like. The NFL needs to do something with the overtime rule because one, I'm I'm tired of seeing uh, uh, ties in the NFL as well, and then two, um, <clears throat> I just don't feel like I, even even on both sides, um, even on both sides, I know that uh, the Saints uh, turned the ball over in overtime, but I you know that I'll tie that in, but I just don't I just don't like that the overtime if you're able to score a touchdown on the first play, then the game's over. I feel like you should be able to give the team another chance, be able to do a kickoff return. Let them march down the field. If they can't sit and score the ball um, on their next drive, then the game is over. But this whole, if the first team that gets the ball scores a touchdown, then the game is over. I'm just not feeling that at all, BB. Well, I guess my question, I guess my question would be this. Then if you 
don't want them to score, then you stop them. I mean, think about it. We had, uh, how, many games, how many games did we have that, was, uh, that, that ended in ties this year? I believe two. Both defenses, yeah, both defenses played hard. And even in the Rams, even in the Rams game, the Rams and the Saints, I mean, the Rams did what they had to do to get the ball back. So if right, and I, and they would have done and, I, and not to cut you. Go ahead. Oh no, no. I was just gonna say, if they would have done what they needed to do to get the ball back, then they would have. It would have been okay. I just seen a play, man. I just was. I, I was on Twitter, and I seen a play where um, I, I seen a play where the uh, New England Patriots had the ball. Kansas City Chiefs was on. The Kansas City Chiefs was on defense. And as soon as Tom Brady said hike, there were like three people wide open. <laughs> if he looked, he threw the ball to the left. But if he looked to the right, he had two people wide open that would have um, that would have got uh, uh, that would have scored a touchdown. So I'm saying to myself, you want overtime rules to be changed, but you can't even play your assignment. Like that was totally on. That was totally on the Kansas City defense. You stop them, or, or at least hold them to three points. Yeah. Get the ball back. I don't think that Patrick Mahomes, just because he's going to be the NFL MVP, should get the ball back just because. Because I'm a firm believer that if the roles was reversed, nobody would be campaigning for Tom Brady to get the ball. I mean, I, I don't know, B, because everything everybody's been like, well, he the great, he the goat, he's the greatest quarterback of all time, arguably probably the greatest football player of all time. Why not sit there and give him another chance? Um, it's kind of funny that you bring that up, is because I think about when the Saint, uh, the Saints won the Super Bowl. In the NFC Championship game against the Minnesota Vikings, that uh, they got to just win the toss, they marched down the field and won it, and kicked the field goal, and left Brett Favre and that team just sitting on the sideline where they weren't even able to get on the field. So um, I just I don't know, man. Like I just don't think that. I mean, in basketball, you're able to play out a whole quarter, um, even in college. And I don't really like the college football overtime rules where I, what is it? The, the ball's on the 25 yard line and they just go back and forth until somebody gets a stop, right? Yeah, so something like I'm not saying that's the the, the end all be all result, but one I think that I, I don't know. I would have liked it, it didn't matter, even matter. Like I get where you're coming from with the Saints. Yes, the Rams are able to get the stop. So now that the Rams are able to score, whether it was a field goal, or whatever, then yeah, they win the game. The Saints had the opportunity to march down the field. They they didn't. They got a turnover. But I mean, any other? But maybe here's my thing. Any like when you're playing a four quarter game, if a team marches down the field and they score, don't you get the ball back? But don't everybody get doesn't everybody get a rule book at the beginning of the season saying that these are the sudden overtime rules? These are the rules in the playoffs. You cannot end a game in a tie. You can during the regular season, but you cannot do it. Um, you can't do it as to uh, in in the postseason. So, like Kansas City knew what they were up against. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and not, not to mention, they, they should they, they should have turned the flip, they should have flipped the switch off like they did against the Colts uh, two weeks ago, as opposed to coming out in halftime when they were down, I believe, fourteen zip, and then they wanted to decide they decided to play football um, after 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 halftime. But that's neither here nor there. But kind of going back to it, BB, if we were to able to change some rules, do you think are you would you be okay if coaches were able to challenge penalty calls throughout the game, or if it's between lap, the last two minutes of each uh, half? What would you like to see? I don't know. If, I don't know if I would want all. I don't know if I would want all the calls um, challenged. But I would say this: I would definitely want 
uh, I would definitely want the pass interference to be challenged. And when I say challenged, I mean that uh, I would love to see them uh, uh, change the rule. I think that the spot foul is what's killing. Uh, yeah. The pass, uh, what's killing the defensive side of the ball? If you just make it 15 yards, you can go and you, you can go and review that very quickly. Oh yeah, he did it. 15 yards, let's go. But when you got a receiver that's running a 40 yard route or running 30 yards and he gets bumped or touched down the field, then go ahead and call it. But I also want them to be able to call it on. Uh, I also want them to be able to call it on offensive. the offensive side of the ball too. Yeah. Because these players, these defensive players are at a disadvantage because. Roger Goodell and the owners want to make the game, I guess, more exciting. But by the same token, you're completely pulling away everything from the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Man, this is why you my brother from another mother, man. Like, I've been the first one to sit there and say, like, that I, I really don't like the spot of the ball, spot of the ball type of uh, uh, passing appearance. Just give him 15 yards and automatic first down. Like, I've been a huge, huge firm believer on that. Um, that because I just feel like that's just giving them giving the offense just too much leeway um, out of out of the uh, off the gates and I get it like you said the offense wants you know the league wants to see more scoring and that's what puts butts in the seats but at the same time I think we're just giving I mean you can't even breathe on these cats out here man and like you said if they if they're gonna do if they're gonna review the play I want to see it being called on, on the offensive side of the ball as well man. <clears throat> So I appreciate you bringing that on wax because I've been like the only person that said that I've, I've been a huge advocate on social media saying that the PIs need to be just a 15-yard penalty and an automatic first down as opposed to a 40-yard penalty just because somebody can just chuck the ball down the field and I sit and just bump into you, then it's, you know, then it's a 45-yard penalty. And next thing you know, it's almost practically at least a guaranteed three points, man. Exactly. So I appreciate that, man. And that's why you, you, the, you, hey, you the big dog, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Not me, man. I just be thinking the exact same way. Like, I don't think that that they making it fair because they want to make it exciting. And I wouldn't be surprised if the overtime rules didn't change because Patrick Mahomes didn't get a chance and Roger Goodell and the rest of the owners going to come out and say, well, because a lot of people don't realize that football started out as competition, but now now it's ended up as being um, uh, entertainment. Yeah, so it's, they're yeah. selling entertainment. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah. so. We're not going to give our Super Bowl prediction picks yet, but I saw an interesting article today that said that uh, ticket sales for the Super Bowl are at one of the lowest in, in, in many, many years because, one, people are tired of seeing the uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl, and B, LA, the L.A. Rams does not have a big enough fan base, so tickets drastically today do drop by like $1,000 on tickets just to get in the door. For real? Yeah. <clears throat> so... They're saying that they may drop even more. They usually said that. So they said that usually expert history has it where that Sunday after the last conference game, tickets will spike up and then they'll kind of flatten out. <clears throat> but after today, um, usually around Wednesday or Thursday um, of the first week before that buy, that's when tickets will start to creep up. But right now they're plummeting and they said experts expect to plummet the tickets to plummet even more. Um, <clears throat> so it's going to be really, really interesting to see like you know, I, I mean, obviously the game's gonna be sold out, but I just just looking at it from a numbers guy, it's gonna be very, very interesting to see what what the numbers are gonna be drawn out and how many people they're able to get in the building. But right now, the ticket sales, the league ain't really making as much money as they would like to. Yeah, and, and I believe it too, man. I, actually, unless I get a free ticket, because I'm not covering the Super Bowl this year, um, I didn't put in in, in four credentials in time. So, but if I get a free ticket. 
I'll go. But other than that, man, I'm flying in on that Friday. Well, you know, I may fly in that Wednesday and do a couple of uh, interviews and fly out like maybe like that Friday night or that early Saturday morning. I'm just going because the uh, uh, Pro Football Writers Association, we have our annual meeting the Friday before the Super Bowl. So I got to be there for that because they take role like we're in school. Oh, like, like it's, 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 it's uh, like a, a formation. Oh, yeah, they for real, for real about that. <laughs> they, 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 for real, they, they for real, for real about that. They like, uh, yeah, you need to be here. If you're going to enjoy all the perks of being a part of this association, yeah. yes, you definitely will be here. Yeah, so, um, BB, unless you and I somehow are able to come up on uh, some, some tomfoolery and land in some tickets, I don't really, I was actually going to invite you to my family barbecue we was going to have, man. Oh, man. That would have been awesome, bro, if I could have made it. Yeah, you got to open. Well, if you can't make it, you still got to open the invitation, man. If you can somehow get out here to the 7 0 bro, you got to open the invitation to the table, bro. Huh, that's what I'm talking about, man. And you, every time I look around, you be eating some good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you know, the kid got to eat, bro. So, leading into BB, we got time for one more segment, or we got to uh, kind of chop it up, man. What's up to you, man? Uh, I, I, I got to get ready to get up out of here. But, okay. Um, I tell you what, man. If you're gonna be up after I get out of this, uh, after I get out of this meeting, then we can we can uh, do another segment and then yeah. we can uh, we can do another segment. Then we can do the uh, sports dummy. Okay. As well. All right. Let's so let's do this, man. So we're gonna take a pause for the calls, pay some bills for show for show. BB got to do a couple of things, and then I got to write up a couple of things. So we'll take a pause for the calls, and then we'll be be right back after these uh, bills that are being paid. All right now. All right. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the Sports Business Podcast. I am your host, Eric Compton, and as always, I got my co-host, my battle buddy, my brother from another mother, the one and only Mr. Brian Bearfield, a.k.a. Big Sarge. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Hey, so, you know, we wrapped up uh, the first part of the show just talking about some of the uh, some of the uh, nuances of the NFL that's been going on, and then moving on to the, the B side of the show today, I thought we decided to talk about a little bit of um, the NBA. Um, BB, I know this past weekend, you actually able, you know, I know you cover the Houston uh, Rockets locally out there in the Houston area. Um, you were actually able to check out, I believe it was the Rockets and Lakers game this past Saturday. Um, it was a thrilling game, went into overtime, and uh, I think the Rockets was able to prevail against the Lakers. And then um, we sit there and see that James Harden is still just throwing up these NBA 2K numbers where he's over here averaging over 30-some points. He dropped 61, uh, 61 points in Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. Um, 15 boards and five assists, man. Um, I know if you've gotten a chance to talk to James Harden, bro, like, what is this dude just locked in or what, what's going on? I mean, where is this all this coming from? Because we knew he was a dominant scorer, but it's just he's doing things that I don't think I've ever seen in my life, even with, like, Jordan S. You know, he's, he's out here throwing up numbers better than Jordan right now. Uh, the thing is, the thing is, when it comes to James Harden is uh, he is he's all about winning. A lot of people don't give him the credit that he deserves when it comes to winning. They think that he just wants to come out and throw up all these shots and hit all these points and win the MVP. But, I mean, of course, you want to be the MVP of the league that says you're the best in the league. Who doesn't uh, strive to achieve to be the best? Mm-hmm. But he is the exact same person in a loss. I mean, he, he he's worse in a loss even if he hits 50, 60 points. 50 points 
in the loss, uh, I think that they lost to the Nets, if I'm not mistaken. He was yeah. he he was mad. When when I say mad, he was mad because he's like, I don't care about the points. We lost the game, so he is truly all about winning. And if, and nobody really gives him credit for that. They call him a ball hog. They say he only cares about his stats. No, he is he he cares about winning. And even and, and when they win. And he scores a lot of points. The first thing he'll say is, you know, we got we got some points. I got help from my teammates. Right. And, you know, I've been, you know, I think you and I, I know last season I was probably the biggest James Harden hater. Um, maybe that's a little biased on me. But, I mean, I think I've come to the point, and I've even told you off the record, you know, that, you know, I'm low-key kind of rooting for this dude this year. I mean, you know, I think people don't realize, you know, Clint Capella's gone for four or five weeks uh, we don't even know when CP3 is coming back. You lose Luke, uh, Luke Bahamute, um, Trevor Ariza, uh, you know, Eric, Eric Gordon was out for some time this year. Like, James Harden has literally been the only healthiest rocket on the team um, besides P.J. Tucker. I mean, like I told you, I think I said it last week on last week's show, I can't name you four other rockets that are, that are on the team right now. That's, uh, uh, Doc Rivers' son's out there playing, and you got Nene's out there, but – I mean, the supporting cast around James Harden right now is just terrible. Like, he's playing with nobody until his, his team gets healthy. So, I think it's just a matter of him having to do so much right now just to keep his team afloat in a Western Conference where just about everyone's a, 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 a contender besides, I don't know, Memphis or somebody who's not even in the playoff contention. Like, from 1 through 15, like, everyone's legitimately a playoff contending team right now. So, here's the thing when it comes to, to that. Eric Gordon coming back because it was at one point, like we said, uh, I think we said on the last podcast, you had Capella out, you had mm-hmm. Capella, Paul, Gordon, and James Ennis. All all of them was out, but now right. having having him having Gordon back is giving him uh, a little bit of a breather because if the last um, I think the last two games, no, I'm sorry, in the last three games, they're two and one. They they beat the Lakers, they lost to the Seventy uh, Sixers, and then they beat the Knicks. Well, in that uh, game against the Lakers, they had to come back, and Eric mm-hmm. Gordon hit the big shot. And then on last night against the Knicks, Eric Gordon hit the big shot. So he's right. starting to get some help. Um, Chris Paul is slated to come back sometime next week. Okay. And once he gets him back in there to run that office, that's going to take a lot of pressure off of him. Uh, it's going to take a lot of pressure off of James having to control the ball so much, and then you'll start to see the assisted points come in. Also, that's going to strengthen the Rockets' bench because uh, Austin Rivers is going to go to the bench. Mm-hmm. He's going to go to the bench, and and um, Eric Gordon and will go back to the bench. Yes, and so now they'll have Gordon. So they'll have uh, Gordon, um, Austin Rivers, and Gerald Green coming off that bench, which isn't bad at all. No, not at all. And I mean, I think just based off of last year, even with them three cats coming off the bench, or minus uh, Austin Rivers, I mean, they had a pretty solid bench. I mean, the supporting cast is pretty good. So um, I, I, I think they're going to be able to make, you know, maybe I think they could catch some speed and maybe chase down some folks and maybe get up to, I would say, a strong five or six seed. Um, I don't think that's a team that people want to play in the first round, um, whether that's being Oklahoma, Denver. I mean, like I said, I've already already going out for the statement if somehow it's a two seven seed where it's denver or golden state that plays well i'm not gonna say golden state if it's denver that plays houston i think houston will beat denver bro oh i think houston could be denver too i'm i, I was impressed with denver up front but now i'm not and and plus i don't Me like too. uh yeah. uh what is it joking should play for them like he's very talented but he's very floppy and he's very whiny i seen that against 
uh, a couple of uh, a couple of teams this year, especially against the Warriors. He was really floppy and crying in that game. Well, I mean, not to mention, I think he might get suspended last night off the melee with uh, Plumlee and uh, DeMar- uh, Derek uh, Favors, where like four uh, Nuggets came off the bench in the scuffle. So um, he might be sitting down and uh, sitting down in timeout in the corner pretty soon. But um, I really like I, I like I like uh, 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 Jokic, but like you said, he you know he puts up these good numbers against teams that he's supposed to be. Um, beaten up, and then when time, when it comes down to play like the Warriors or, or or the Rockets or something, this dude goes MIA. So, um, but yet he's still young, so it's going to be interesting to see um, what's going to end up happening. But you know, we'll see what ends up. You know, we'll we'll see how they play out. But I'm I'm not even going on a limb. Like I can see a, a two seven upset. It's not even an upset if you ask me, BB. Yep, exactly. I, I said exact same thing. So uh, moving on, um, you covered the Rockets. I was actually able to cover the Warriors game. Friday, actually, um, which was DeMarcus Cousins' uh, season debut down there in L.A. Um, side note, y'all, like, the L.A. sweets, bro, like, they're pretty nice. <laughs> uh, who is? The uh, the Staples Center. Like, they're, pre- they're pretty <laughs> legit, bro. Um, yeah. So, they're legit. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, we got to go check that out Friday night, man. And, uh, bro, like, one, one thing I didn't realize is, like, how tall KD is. Um, I've gotten to see KD play, I think, four or five times in my life now. And him standing next to Boogie Cousins is almost like Twin Towers, bro. Like, this dude, I knew he was a seven-footer, but, like, stand, him standing next to Boogie Cousins, he's a legitimate six, six, seven, six, eleven, seven-foot flat person, right? Yeah. Ain't no way this dude's six-nine, bro. But um, who? Who, who, uh, is the six, who? Who is the six-nine against that again? Kevin Durant ain't no six nine or whatever they got him listed as. Oh, he's six eleven, bro. A true six eleven. Yeah, he's like a six eleven seven. Like he's legitimately like almost a seven footer, bro. Like ain't, ain't no ain't no shaking that one, bro. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I didn't realize how tall they were when they were standing next to each other. But I mean, they got almost like a twin towers type of thing going down down there. But bro, I, BB, I don't think there's a, when these guys is clicking, bro. I don't think ain't nobody gonna stop these boys, man. Uh, no, they're not. Uh, it's it's going to be very, very hard. And the one thing that a lot of people aren't taking into account is Iguodala is going to get a lot of rest and be. Mm-hmm. I think because I, I only think he has like one or two years left in him. So, yeah, I, yeah. Challenge thing as well. Yeah, and so this is going to be uh, a good thing. And uh, the blowouts that they're going to have is going to be good for the younger players to be able to get in. And I'm starting to like what I'm seeing for Looney, man. Looney is is getting himself going. Hey, what's the friction between um, uh, Bell and Kerr? So I think I think Bell's starting to smell himself too much. Yes, um, Jordan Bell came in last year as a rookie, um, coming off of the Final Four the year before. Um, coming in and, you know, Draymond Green was supposed to kind of take him under his wing and, you know, he was supposed to be like a, a, a Draymond Green coming off the bench where he was supposed to be like the glue of the bench team, you know, the bench five where he can able to uh, put his hands all over the place. And, you know, with Kevon Looney that came out and he had a really, really good postseason last year um, when Damian uh, Jones got injured this first part of the year, um, they put Kevon Looney back in the starting five. And, you know, you got uh, Jernis Jekbo, uh yeah, I think I said his name uh, correctly. Um, coming off the bench, who's been kind of just flourishing, like a dude's been falling out, where it's just kind of taking Jordan Bell's time away. And so Jordan Bell, you know, used to get quality minutes coming off the bench, and now he's not. So <clears throat> I think it's just the sense of a young player who's who smelling himself too much, you know, coming off of a championship win, and he's not getting the usage. But at the same time, you're not showing Steve Kerr anything that you've been doing. Like your game hasn't really progressed. 
from your for rookie year to your second year. Now, when I saw him coming off playing garbage time, I mean, Buddy hit like four or five jump shots uh, coming off the bench and hit all five of them. So I think it's just a matter of Steve Kerr has his philosophy is like everyone needs to be ready because you never know when I'm going to call on you. And it, it worked with JaVale McGee, where JaVale McGee had, ended up becoming the starting center in the uh, playoffs last year. So he'll call on certain players for them to be ready. And I don't think Jordan Bell realizes that, that, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So um, he's going to have to figure it out sooner or later because uh, I could see them pulling the plug on this guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's very, he's very talented and very athletic, bro. Like I said, I'm just, I, I don't know, man. It, but it was a really good thing to see all of the star players well outside of Clay, because Clay doesn't talk. But it's good to see how the star players pull him to the side and say, hey, man, you know, calm down, bro. Just calm down. You're going to get your opportunity and your chance, but calm down. Yeah, and not to mention, BB, um, one thing I saw, um, you know, because this is the second game that I've seen this year, especially after the whole the Draymond K.E. Uh, blow up, bro, like, Whatever happened, in, you know, back in November, October, November, it's smoothed over, BB. Like, that locker room is super-duper loose, bro. Like, they're, they're back back on track. Um, everyone, there's no bickering. Like, it, it, it's a team again. Uh, I think it was literally just one of those things where, you know, maybe you and I may have a blow-up. But, you know, we brothers and we love each other. And it's just going to happen like that. And you sit there winning so much, you start bickering from within because everyone's after you. You've been sticking together for so long. You know, you're going to have them little tense times where it's just like, bro, like, I'm tired of you. Shut up, man. Like, I get it. I get it. You know, I'm already, I'm a winner. So I think that's what took place. But, BB, when I say that locker room's loose, bro, that locker room's loose. And I think uh, when they come down there in March, um, you'll see how loose that locker room is, man. Like, they're having fun again. Like, everyone's, everyone's having a good time. Everyone's just, you know, slapping each other up and dabbing each other and looking out for each other, bro. And it's as crazy as this locker room is with the most characters that Steve Kerr's probably ever had. It's probably the most loosest I've ever seen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's the one thing people don't give Steve Kerr credit for is he's a, he's a great coach. And a lot of people don't uh, understand that he makes great in-game adjustments too. That's what I like about him. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, his out of, out of bounds plays, I mean, he, he's probably one besides Brad Stevens. I think after timeouts, uh, he probably calls some of the best plays um, that's out there, but with Boogie Cousins in the paint, man, like it's going to open up a lot of things. And, you know, from one, you know, Boogie Cousins, yeah, he fouled out um, the first game. Um, but, you know, when he was on the floor, like he, I mean, he, I don't, I can't sit there and say anything yet because I can definitely see that conditioning is a, is a, it's playing a factor um, with his, with his ability to stay on court. So I would say about three or four of his fouls were just cheap fouls because he wasn't trying to, he couldn't get back on the other side of the court in time or whatever. But on the offensive side of the ball with the PNRs and pick and rolls, I mean, Boogie Cousins looks sharp, man. And uh, I think in the fourth quarter, they ran like three plays maybe just for Boogie Cousins where the offense was running through him, where it was basically Draymond Green and Boogie Cousins playing a pick-and-roll game, or pick-and-pop, I should say, where Boogie Cousins would just come down, Draymond Green would be able to uh, pull the other defender out, and they were literally just giving Boogie. I think Boogie Cousins hit like two threes back-to-back where, I mean, it just confused the defense because you're overloading one side of the court where you got playing Steph, KD, and then this pick and pick and pop is just working with just Draymond and Boogie. And it's just, don't, it was just literally throwing the Clippers off all kinds of ways. And that's nothing taken away from the Clippers because they're around the 500 team this year as well. So, I mean, the offense is going to open up so much. And I don't know how defense is going to be able to be like, hey, I got to sit and stop five all stars on the court at one time, bro. Like, what more do you want me to do? It was bad enough for four, but five? Come on, bro. Yeah, most definitely, bro. Most definitely. So, uh, you know, it'll be definitely interesting to see how they fit, sit there and finish out the rest of the year. I think they're going to try to incorporate new things. But um, that was my biggest takeaway is that the locker room is super-duper loose. Um, 
And I mean, I think they won seven or eight in a row now. So, and they play the Wizards tonight. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to come back. But bro, they they look legit, man. Oh uh, yeah, definitely, most definitely, they do. They look look legit. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we're gonna sit there. And ended up, you know, we decided to you know take a couple of seconds and talk about a little NBA. Um, BB, I know you already said that. You know, we'll definitely talk about the Super Bowl moving going into next week and start giving it and break it down the game. Um, I think you said you'll be out there for the pre-game festivities, but, you know, unless we would get some extra coins around here, I don't think we want to go. Um, um, with that being said, man, it's time for the uh, Sports Business Big Dummy of the Day. Um, that's kind of a lot of people I could have named, but um, I think I'm going to go with Adrian Broner, BB. Um, so this past weekend, Adrian Broner and Manny Pacquiao fought um, in the welterweight championship match uh, out here in Vegas, and from what I was told, because I had no interest in this fight, because I knew if Adrian Broner won, he was going to sit here talk a whole lot of cash um, and talk about how he's the best ever. And if Manny Pacquiao won, I was going to hear a rematch about Floyd Mayweather, and I just don't want to see that. So I really didn't have any interest in this fight because Broner, I think, has been three, three, and one in his last seven fights um, after he was undefeated. I think it was like twenty-four, twenty-five, and zero. Um, but this dude has just been super duper obnoxious. Like he has all the talent in the world, but he doesn't let his hands go. And BB, what do you have to do to win a boxing match? I know you don't watch a lot of boxing, but what's the object of boxing? To you got to hit the opponent, right? Well, okay, so yes, you have to hit the opponent. But how do you hit the opponent? With your hands, man. Uh, you may be asking the wrong person because no, 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 no. You're saying <laughs> yeah. So you're saying everything yeah. right. So you hit them with your hands. How do you hit them with your hands? You throw punches, right? Yeah, you throw punches. <laughs> you throw punches. Perfect. Exactly. So a guy, my, my battle buddy right here, doesn't watch a lot of boxing, knows that the object of boxing is you have to outpunch the other person or knock the person out, correct? Exactly. Okay. So, BB, you cannot win a boxing match by averaging eight punches a round, losing just about 11 rounds to one or 12, 10 rounds to two, sitting there saying that you won the fight. Adrian Broner, what were you thinking? Like, maybe I really hope that the, the post-fight uh, drug test comes back and this dude somehow comes up and he, he pops hot on the drug test because there's no way this dude could sit here and in his blood, in, in his mind, really think that he beat Manny Pacquiao. Well, Manny Pacquiao was slapping this dude all upside his head all night around, all up and down the Las Vegas Strip, bro. Like, Adrian Broner, you are just, you have all the potential in the world, but you be smelling yourself too much. You got your daddy coming down the rain, brushing your waves, uh, uh, coming down the ring with sunglasses on, wearing a mini skirt or something, talking about you, you, you the be- you the greatest, bro. You all about billions, you know. You all, you know, A B stands for all, all about BS, bro. Like you are, just, <laughs> you are terrible. Like you are super duper overrated. And I sat there and told somebody in my office the other day, the only chance he wins if he lets his hands go, and he didn't even sit there and let one hand go. When you got here throwing eight punches in three minutes, that's two punches, like two point five punches every two minutes. Like or every every minute and a half, like come on, man, cut it out, bro. Wait a so minute, Adrian, I thought I thought the hood knew he won though. I thought he must have been hoodie, bro. What hood? Like Baldwin <laughs> Hills? Like uh, 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 what, what's what's like a poly, you know a, a known uh, black establishment that's not in the hood? You know, like the uh, the uh, you know was he, you know, what, what do they call it? Like uh, the suburbs? Yeah, yeah, the suburbs. Yeah. So was he? Did he win it for the suburbs? Because uh, Tino, I mean, Tino Hills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he ain't, he ain't do it. Yeah, exactly. He ain't sit there and do it for me. I don't know what he was talking about, bro. Uh, he did it for the hood. Uh, what hood are you talking about? I, I don't know. So, yeah, BB, uh, Adrian Broner, man, go sit down somewhere. Just, 
I don't know why people keep giving him this big payday. I think he won. He earned like two point five million dollars off this fight. Manny won, made ten. But Broner, you're done. Like nobody cares about you no more, man. So therefore, you get my sports business big dummy of the week, man. Hey, listen, my sport business big dummy of the week goes to none other than the owner of the team that I root for, Jerry Jones. I don't understand <laughs> how you fire Scott Linehan and get applauded, and then you go back and make two of the most uh, dumbest decisions that I think, in my opinion, make sure I say in my opinion, because there are a lot of people out there that says, well, you have no facts to prove this, but how does Kellen Moore, who wasn't good at quarterbacks coach, gets to become offense coordinator, and I know Jason Garrett is going to call the plays, then just let Jason Garrett call the plays. But you put Kellen Moore in uh, the uh, offensive coordinator position, entitlement, uh, I, yeah, I said that. And you bring in John Kitna, whose claim to fame is a 14-year vet who threw 169 touchdowns and 165 interceptions. And then you say, but he been, he's been coaching high school football. Like, what? So there's Where? no – I, I think uh, in, the, in the Seattle area. Seattle, I mean, the Washington Cause he, somewhere. Because he was a quarterback for the Seahawks, wasn't he? He was a quarterback for the Seahawks. He was a quarterback for Cincinnati, the Cowboys, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, the, the Lions. Yeah, I remember and, him. And so just like Chris Carter, uh, like they made the point on Fox Sports 1, that uh, their show, it's like uh, he went out and he kept two backup quarterbacks for the court, uh, for the uh, Cowboys who played backup quarterback for the Cowboys, excuse mm-hmm. me, in-house. He kept yes-men around him, and that's all it's ever going to be, and that's why the Cowboys is not going to win anything until somebody – tells Jerry Jones, bro, you're getting old. This isn't the way to do it. You cannot rule in the NFL with the iron fist. You can't. And yeah. so go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say so that's my that's my big dummy of the uh of the week award goes to um Jerry Jones for uh giving you know what it's the equivalent to putting Scott I mean putting um Kellen Moore in the office coordinator position is the equivalent to Steve Sarkeesian keep getting these jobs. <laughs> I, I, I just can't believe it, bro. Bro, like the fact that I still remember Kellen Moore. Well, John Kitten of all people. Um, I'm actually kind of impressed myself um, that you because <laughs> that's how like of a of a nobody this dude was. Like I remember he was in Seattle when the Seattle Seahawks was in the AFC, if I'm not mistaken. And, yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And he played for um, he played down there in uh, Cincinnati before they even got cars. He must have came out to Boomer Sison, bro. Oh, uh, I can't I, remember. I, I had to go back and I. He was to. before Carson Palmer. Yes, definitely before Carson, Carson def- Palmer. Yeah, so I think he came there after Boomer Sison. So the fact hey. that you just named them two people, bro, like I'm actually going to get myself the, the big star salute, and I can't believe I remember <laughs> them two clowns because, dang, bro, I didn't even know that. <laughs> and it's crazy, bro, because people are saying, well, he may be a better coach than he was quarterback. And I'm saying to myself, that could be true. I'm not. Listen. I've been wrong before. Leighton Vander Esch, I was totally wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong on that. So I've been wrong, and I've admitted that I was wrong. But I'm going to go on record by saying this. So if you have a track record of being a mediocre quarterback, like a mediocre quarterback, and then you come in and you have a quarterback who doesn't have the skill set to be able to do – you know, he needs improvement in his accuracy. How is he going to learn from a guy who threw 165 interceptions? <laughs> and, and, you know, 
you know, people why are trying they, to. Why didn't they call the Green Bay uh, quarterback coach that Aaron Rodgers loved so much? Oh, the guy who used to put Alex Van Pelt from Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. I, bro, it, because I, Jerry wants yes men. And that's what I'm saying. If Jerry mm-hmm. wants yes men, people try to bring up, well, what about Frank Reich? He wasn't nothing but a backup quarterback. And look what he did with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he has uh, uh, Andrew Luck. Right. Andrew Luck and Dak Prescott are not the same. You put right. you put you put Dak Prescott uh up in Indianapolis, it's not going to be the same as having Andrew Luck back there. You put Andrew Luck in Dallas, they're going to the Super Bowl. For sure, for sure. I think so, just based off of pure talent. And so that's what I'm saying. When these people start to say, Well, what about this coach and what about this coach? Look at the personnel. Bill Belichick wasn't never this, that, and other. But he has the greatest ever play the game in Tom Brady, and so that that's all I'm trying to tell these people is like when they start uh, saying, "Well, what about this coach? What about that coach? They weren't this and they weren't that." Well, but you have to have the talent. Listen, Eric Spolstra, and I know I'm taking this to the NBA for a second, but Eric Spolstra, of course, he worked in uh, the video film, guy, yeah, yeah from, to to the head coach. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, Eric Spolster is one of the greatest coaches to ever coach the game. No, they got LeBron. That, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, of yeah. course, anybody looks good when they got LeBron. X Ty Lue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's all I'm saying, bro, is that, you, you know, you need somebody that's going to come in and build up Dak Prescott and teach him how to do things. And, and, and also somebody that he respects, which is why I'm still upset that Jerry Jones didn't uh, uh, put Tony Romo's name on a blank check and sit in front of him and say, you fill in the blanks. Yeah, man. You know, I, I watched the AFC Championship game, and Tony Tony Romo knows what he's talking about. And the thing, the fact that this dude's out here like a play whisperer where he's actually calling the plays before they actually take plays, I don't care. Like, I'm so impressed with that. Like, I love hearing how Tony Romo's able to show you what the formation is and tell you what they're about to run, and it literally goes down just like that, like, it's it's a it's something I've never seen before from a color a color commentator where the dude can look at the formation and be like oh they're about to sit there and pass the ball they're about to run the screen I'm like how, how do you see this how how do you know this so like you said I think Tony Romo would have been a great fit to be the OC he already knows what Dak Prescott's um, tools and adages and what he brings to the table being the fact that Tony Romo backed up Dak Prescott in his final season and and he can see he's been able to sit there and see the work that Dak Prescott's put in. It would have been a great, 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 uh, perfect fit, like you said. Um, but I don't think Tony Romo's gonna sit there and be a yes man dude. Like he's gonna sit there and be like, nah, bro, we're gonna sit there and run it this way. I don't know if you saw that Cole Beasley even sat there and said that, hey, if you ain't a yes man person, they sit there and just basically just they don't want no parts of you. Exactly. Anywho's man, so that's kind of funny. Dang, John Kitten, bro. I think I'm yo. Hey, the rest of the day, you can't tell me nothing. The fact that you just got to name that dude and I knew who he was, you ain't, hey, I'm floating on cloud nine today, BB. I already know. <laughs> I already know. Hey, man, time where can find you at, bro. Hey, you can find me at Big Star Sports uh, with the Z.com and also on, um, well, actually, you can stream my show live, Sports Talk with Big Sarge and the legendary KYLK in the All New 92.3 FM, 3 to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here in the great state of Texas, Houston. Yeah. And once again, my name is Eric Compton. You can find me on the legendary KYLK on Thursdays with Sports Talk, Sports Talk with Big Sarge. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Money Compton, at Twitter at Eric T. Compton. Also, email the show at Sports Business. That's S P O R T Z B I Z N E S S at gmail.com. Um, other than that, BB, I'm out, bro.
Hey man, hold on before we leave. Uh, so like you still writing the article? I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know what oh, yeah. touches. Like you looking for? Like I didn't ask for it to be APA style. You ain't got to put no. Like I don't need a, a title page and a reference page and a running header. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, man, this this damn article must be the best I ever read. It, it's supposed to be coming two weeks ago. Hey man, I got you today, bro. I got you this afternoon. In fact, I got you after our segment. How about that? All right, man. <laughs> All right, man. Y'all take it easy and have a great one. All right, I'm out.